Good morning. I want to welcome you to First Baptist Sandy Springs. It's a beautiful, beautiful day outside. The sun is shining. That rainy day is gone. And we are here this morning to worship the Lord. Uh, in your bulletin this morning, uh, my son Gregory will not be here. He's very sick. And so he and Emily will not be performing for us today or singing for us today. Uh, but they'll come back at a later time. But we have someone that's going to be uh, singing with us, and I'll introduce her later. And she will be uh, uh, moving down to the, the uh, special music time when uh, Greg and Emily would have been singing. So we want to welcome you again and ask you to stand as we sing together and begin our worship together. Yes. Yeah. 
of this. This is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made, that the Lord has made. I will rejoice, I will rejoice and be glad in it, and be glad in it. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day. This is the day that the Lord has made. Thank you. May be seated. We're happy to welcome Angela Ortiz to our service this morning. Angela is 14 years old. She's uh, with Orbit, and she is in the junior company. She's, uh, she goes to Sequoia High School in Canton, Georgia. Her mother and her father, Dolores and Ralph, are with us this morning, and a special welcome to you. She told me she had one sister who's 23 at KSU, that's Kennesaw State University, if, if you uh, are not familiar with KSU. But she's gonna come and sing for us this morning, and we're very happy to receive her. I have a list downstairs that um, I ask um, the Orbit kids if they are willing to come and sing for us to sign up the list, and. And she had signed up the list uh, several weeks ago, and so now she's here to sing for us this morning, and we welcome you this morning. Thank you. <laughs>
Evidently, Angela sung before. <laughs> Who's your voice teacher in Orbit? Wow. Uh, if you don't know, Orbit is a performing arts academy that meets on our first level, and they do such a great job training young people. And one of their great joys is getting young people that are already very talented when they get there and just kind of help them moving in the right direction. And it's been a good experience for you? Orbit's a great experience, and so we... We recommend them highly, so thank you, Angela. Speaking of theater, when I was a kid, I remember watching the movie West Side Story. Anybody remember West Side Story? I don't know, for some reason, I really loved West Side Story. If you've seen it, you know it's really a modern take on Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. It's what it is. Uh, story is set in the Upper West Side neighborhood of New York City in the late 1950s. Neighborhood is divided by two warring gangs, the Sharks and the Jets. The Sharks are Puerto Rican Americans, the Jets are white gang, and well, they don't like each other, and they fight about turf, and they walk, and they dance, and they snap, and they fight, and the love story and the tale develops when Tony, the former leader of the Jets, falls in love with Maria, the sister of the leader of one of the Sharks. And things get complicated. It's a musical, and there's some great songs in the story. Music by Leonard Bernstein, lyrics by Stephen Sondheim. Be hard to pick a favorite, but this song sung by Tony and Maria fits the direction that we're going to go today. So, Tony and Maria Stay. from West Side Stay Story. With me. I love you so much. Don't leave me. Whatever you want, I'll do. Hold me. Oh, forever. Tighter. It'll be all right. I know it. We're really together now. But it's not us. It's everything around us. Then I'll take you away, where nothing can get to us. Not anyone or anything. A new way of living. We'll 
We live in a divided world. People draw lines and choose sides and alienate one another for all sorts of silly reasons. And West Side Story tells that story very well. You ever been on the outside? On the outside? It can be painful. And what makes it really painful is when it's churches that draw the line. And we can do that. You belong and you don't. and We'll take you, but not you. And today we're going to talk about church. Do we really belong here? Do we really belong? Are we welcome and do we welcome everybody else? Going through the records of a church I pastored in Indiana, it was interesting the reasons you'd get kicked out years ago. Anybody in here have a pocket knife in their pocket? Whoops, a few of you would be asked to leave because you had a knife in your pocket. Anybody been to a dance in the last year? Oh, you heathens. And so you'd have to go to, and you know, we, we make some things up and do some things. Before we go further, let's pray. Lord, thank you there's a place for us. And Father, thank you for opening up your doors to sinners like me. And Father, help us to look at the world with eyes of love and compassion. That there's a place for all of us. And it's under your arms. It's at your table. And it's in your house. So Father, let us be thankful for belonging. And let us look for others, all of us. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. I've been very fortunate in the churches that I've worshipped in all of my life. I've not seen anyone excluded, but it doesn't mean it hasn't happened. And I've heard the stories. I heard one from a church in Alabama that the pastor was outside the front doors waiting for this couple to show up to tell them they couldn't come in. I don't know if they showed up or not, and I don't know why they couldn't come in, but I thought that was interesting. You've heard stories. I hope you haven't experienced it. But in his book, When Bad Christians Happen to Good People, it's a good book, When Bad Christians Happen to Good People, by Dave Burchett. He tells the story about a personal experience that he and his wife had a daughter born in 1985 with an undeveloped brain. She couldn't open her eyes. She couldn't smile. She had an opening with exposed tissue at the back of her head, and it had to be dressed and covered regularly because of surgeries that they had done to relieve pressure. The baby lived longer than expected, and after a few months, the family decided to go back to church. One Sunday before church, the phone rang, and they were told that Katie wasn't welcome in the nursery, that it was just too much. And they were devastated. And there was not a place for them in this divided world. And it's not a new problem. The Bible warns us it's happened since people began to gather. You belong, you don't. You belong, you don't. James chapter 2 tells an interesting story. My dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? For example... 
Suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry, and another comes in who's poor and dressed in dirty clothes. Could that happen in Atlanta? If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor one, you can't stand over there or else sit on the floor, well, doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? Listen to me, dear brothers and sisters. Hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in the faith? Aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? But you dishonor the poor. Isn't it the rich who oppress you and drag you to court? Aren't they the ones who slander Jesus Christ, whose noble name you bear? Yes, indeed, it's good when you obey the royal law as found in scriptures. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you favor some people over others, you're committing a sin. You're breaking, guilty of breaking the law. If you favor some people over others, you're committing a sin. You're guilty of breaking the law. You know, that probably happened in the early church. That someone all dressed up came in and they were good to them. And someone a little dirty came in and they were ignored. I remember years ago walking into a church as a college student and I wasn't dressed as nicely as the others and no one spoke to me. I felt a little out of place. It happened. Peter in the book of Acts talks about his prejudices and yes, we live in a prejudiced world, but hopefully not here. In Acts 10 beginning at verse 1, in Caesarea there lived a Roman army officer named Cornelius who was a captive of an Italian regiment. He was a devout, God-fearing man, as was everyone in his household. He's not Jewish, by the way. He's a Gentile. He gave generously to the poor, and he prayed regularly to God. One afternoon, about 3 o'clock, he had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming towards him. Cornelius, the angel said. Cornelius stared at him in terror. What is it, sir? He asked the angel. The angel replied, your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. Now send some men to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. Yes, the Simon Peter that you're thinking of. He's staying with Simon a tanner who lives near the seashore. So Cornelius sends messengers to Peter. I skip to verse 22 after God kind of warns Peter in a vision that something's going to happen. Cornelius sends messengers to Peter. They get to the door, and in verse 22, they said, We were sent by Cornelius, a Roman officer. He's devout and a God-fearing man, well-respected by all the Jews. A holy angel instructed him to summon you to his house so he can hear your message. Come tell us about Jesus. So Peter invited the men to stay for the night, and the next day they went with them and accompanied by some of the brothers from Joppa. They arrived in Caesarea the following day, Cornelius was waiting for them, and he had called together his relatives and his close friends, and there's a whole family there waiting to hear. As Peter entered his home, Cornelius fell at his feet and worshipped him, but Peter pulled him up and said, Stand up, I'm a human being just like you. So they talked together, went inside, where many others were assembled. And the first thing Peter said to the group in verse 28, You know, it's against the law for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this or to associate with you. That's a good opening line, isn't it? But thank God he continues. But God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure 
or unclean. But God has showed me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. Has God shown you that? He works on us our whole lives showing us that. What did Jesus say? This was one of his first sermons in Luke chapter 4, beginning at verse 14. Jesus returned to Galilee filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. He taught regularly in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the Scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He enrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. They were confused because they weren't quite where Jesus was. And what in a nutshell Jesus said was, I'm here for the messed up. Aren't you glad? In Matthew 9, another story about Jesus. As Jesus was walking along, verse 9, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. A tax collector. Matthew got up and followed him. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. When the Pharisees, the religious order, saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. And then he added, now go and learn the meaning of the scripture, I want you to show mercy not offer sacrifice. For I've come to call not those who think they're righteous, but those who know they are sinners. We will always find that our prejudices never stand up to Scripture. They don't. They can't. Here's a big danger. You might be thinking ahead of me. When the church lets everybody in, the world looks at the church and says, it's full of hypocrites. Have you thought about that? We let everybody in, it's full of hypocrites. My answer, I hope so. And we have room for one more. We do. On the cover of the bulletin today is a great truth from the great pastor and evangelist, Charles Spurgeon. Did you see what it said? Did you read it? If I had never joined a church till I'd found one that was perfect, I should have joined never joined one at all. And the moment I did join it, if I had found one, I should have spoiled it, for it would not have been a perfect church after I had become a member of it. Still imperfect as it is, it's the dearest place on earth to us. That's the truth. Let me tell you what happens to hypocrites, though. We find God, and He takes us as we are. 
and he makes us into something so much better than we used to be. As we grow, we find a place, a place for us, church, a place in this divided world where we can belong. Our sins are forgiven, our past is past, the old is gone, the new has come, and we're heaven bound. And shouldn't we want that for everyone? Everyone. For years I've heard this question, is the church a museum for saints or a hospital for sinners? I happen to believe it's a hospital for sinners who have a chance of becoming saints. I also believe that the church should welcome those who might be unwelcome in other places. Our society is quick to use the words, go to hell. Have you noticed that? You hear it on the radio, you read it in publications, and people say that, and it just gets on my last nerve. I pray that I never have a go-to-hell attitude. I want a go-to-heaven attitude. That's the attitude I want. And I want to let the world know that there is a way. And I never want us to take for, for granted that there's a place for us. We will have a shrimp boil tonight. It's not too late to stand up, but the most important meal we'll have today is the Lord's Supper, communion. As I was preparing it this morning, I was thinking about, you'll notice when you get communion, it's two stack, cups stacked. Bottom cup has the bread, the top cup has the juice, so when you take it, take two. When I was putting the bread in the cups, it really struck me that this represents the body of Christ given for us, for us. And then the juice represents the blood of Christ that was given for us. No matter who we are, no matter where we're from, no matter what we've done, if we are a believer in Jesus Christ, we can come to the table. So today I want to remind you that you are welcome at God's table. If you believe, then today we ask that you would receive. As our deacons come forward, I'm going to lead us in a prayer. Let's pray together. Lord, in these moments, we would see Jesus. Father, be close. Let us hear the soft, shuffling sound of sandaled feet among us as we are that in tune with you. As we come to a place for us, that you have given your life for. Father, help us on our faith journeys to receive this bread, to receive this cup as believers. And Father, in this time of introspection, let us look at where we need to change and how we need to love even more. God bless these moments in Jesus' name. Amen. This one works for Dr. Pepper.
this one does something all over the world with hospitals. And is that close? The Studer Group. This one's a realtor. And this one's retired. Are any of us qualified to serve? Are any of us qualified to receive? Thank God, yes. Because of what Jesus does with Dr. Pepper salesmen and Studer Group representatives and realtors and retired folks, you and me. You think about that as you receive the bread and the cup, and you'll get instructions after you do that. God bless you. Scripture teaches us that on the night when he was betrayed, Jesus took a loaf of bread. He gave thanks and he broke it. He said, this is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also. After supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this, and as often as you drink it, remember me.
when he first spoke those words, the disciples had no idea. You know more tonight, this morning, than they did that night. You know the rest of the story. You know about the table of grace. You know that you are welcome. And I pray as you leave this place that you look at the world differently. Are they welcome too? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your table, room for all of us. We ask your blessing on the rest of our day, on this church, on all churches, that they would just be known by their love. Let us be known by that. In Jesus' name, amen.